had neighbors who wouldn't speak to us. We had people at church who wouldn't speak to us. We had family members who were very upset with us because we were homeschooling and this was not a movement or a fad. But what we saw happening with our kids, time was just growing leaps and bounds and saw the Lord working. I was beginning to see their spiritual gifts even at that young age come to the surface, things I'd never been aware of as a mother. I really feel like the Lord is calling us to homeschool. Hi, you're listening to the Zan Tyler Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load, or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades and almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast. I'm your host, Zan Tyler. Before we get into our interview, I just wanted to remind you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and please leave us a review. It really helps us. Our podcast is devoted to encouraging you in your homeschooling journey through conversations with amazing homeschool leaders and advocates. So today, I'm going to introduce you to one of the most amazing people I know, my husband, Joe. We've been married for many, many years, have three kids and eight grandchildren. So we're going to talk today about my homeschooling journey. Yeah, I I think this will be a a very special episode. I know there are a lot of people that have asked to hear this story. And every time Zan tells it, there's uh, more information uh, that comes out and lots of questions from from people like you. So I know, I know you're interested in, and uh, where we need to start with this story, uh, I think is important because you got to know a little bit about Zan and her background in order to fully appreciate this. Um, Zan and I both were converted during the Jesus movement of the seventies. Uh, we went to the same college where we met. We were supposed to work in young life together, which is how we met. And um, in that time in the culture, we were just getting out of the Vietnam War. Um, the women's movement was going crazy. You may, may remember uh, a lot about that as history now, but there was a lot going on in the culture. It was in turmoil. Um, strangely enough, the 18-year-olds got the right to vote during that time frame. So Zan was very um, politically active as a teenager in high school. Um, we have something in the South, uh, called girl state and boy state. Um, I think somebody's even made a reality program out of it and they make fun of it. But, um, back in the day, it was like a civics program 
it was geared to teach people how bills became laws. So it was similar. If you're familiar with Teen Pact, it was very similar to that in its day. So Zan um, ran for governor of Girl State against girls from all over the state of South Carolina and won, uh, which shows you what a great speaker and how influential she was even back then. Um, her dad was a lawyer, um, was working with an insurance company, very successful chairman of the board of the Baptist Hospital System in South Carolina, which is quite an honor. And um, they had this desire uh, that one day he would retire from the insurance company, Zan would go to law school, and they would go into practice together. So they had a combined vision and dream for her life. And it did not include marriage or children or certainly me. So <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> at Furman, a uh, true story, um, we were part of the Navigator Never Gen Dater generation. Uh, so I had no idea. I knew I loved Zan. My love grew for her throughout our years at Furman. And I didn't know how to get from being friends to married. I had no clue. What do you do? Uh, so I decided to just swing for the fence and propose to her, which I did. Um, she our got, junior year. Uh, yeah, our junior year in college. She got so mad at me, she didn't speak to me for a month. Well, it was six weeks, but who's counting? <laughs> yes, that's a man month. Okay. So um, I had messed up her life. I had messed up her vision with her dad. Um, you know. Well, Joe is my best friend. And I wanted him to be my best friend. He was the most committed Christian believer I had ever known. We were involved in Bible studies together. This Bible study, we were in at Furman. I mean, we had 5 o'clock a.m. prayer meetings, and we were sharing our faith on campus and having Bible studies all the time. And it was, you know, it was pretty hardcore, mm -hmm. and um, we were very committed. And uh, But Joe was really my best friend. And so when he told me he loved me and wanted to get married, I mean, there were two things I said I would never do in life. One was um, have kids and the other was teach. And so even though I was a Christian, I was very committed to this work vision. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Joe just kind of. Yep. I messed, I messed, messed all that up. Plans. So neither say your dad wasn't very excited about me from the beginning. And it literally took me over a year uh, to kind of, get him to give up and give in to our relationship. In fact, he, he uh, threatened to send Zan overseas for her last two years of college to get her away from me, the bad influence that I was. So I'm telling you all that in that it's going to circle around and make sense in a little while. So um, we get married, we have kids. Um, but you left out an important part of that. Which was? Which was when I was in college. Yes. I mean, we... You know, we were studying scripture all the time. We were at a liberal university, but we were really committed to scripture and its authority in our lives. And I had never once considered what God wanted for me as a Christian woman. So in the midst of my turmoil, somebody gave me a copy of Elizabeth Elliot's book, Let Me Be a Woman. And I read the back cover of that book. And I thought my life is never going to be the same again. So a friend of mine had a mountain house um, up in the mountains in Greenville, outside of Greenville. And I took the book up there and spent a few days fasting and praying about what the Lord wanted for me. And, you know, as I read through her book, I just, and I read through scripture, I just felt his undeniable call in my life 
to marriage and motherhood. So I felt like I went up the mountain one person and came back down the mountain another person. And so it was, you know, it it wasn't this big sacrifice, but it was laying down my life and laying down my vision of what my life would be and my dreams and everything really I had worked for up until this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I had studied hard. I had worked hard. I had been involved in a lot of things and the Lord had blessed that. And so it was, it was the death of one vision and the beginning of another vision. And, and the other interesting thing that happened that will come back into our story later is uh, Strom Thurmond was our senator. He was one of the oldest serving senators in the U.S. Senate. Uh, he had been a Democrat, switched to the Republican Party. I mean, this guy was ca- quite a character. And um, because the 18-year-old voted recently passed, he needed some young person to travel with him around the state to speak. So for uh, several months during their camp, during his campaign, he had Zan, the University of South Carolina baseball coach. Was it Bobby Richardson or June Raines? <laughs> I think it was Bobby Richardson. Bobby Richardson. So Zan's traveling around with a Hall of Fame second baseman, <laughs> you know, um, and they they would like introduce him or, or or whatever, just be seen with him to kind of help uh, recruit. Uh, in Zan's case, the eighteen year old vote, and Bobby Richardson's case. Every every South Carolinian because they knew of Bobby Richardson, so it's fascinating to me that these her dad and his vision with her for politics and the law, and and then Strom Thurmond and his his political ties enter back into our homeschool story in a big way. So so to get move quickly from this to our homeschool story. So we got married um, right af- out of, after I graduated from Furman. And nine months later, I mean, we were committed to having a family right away. We had Ty. And on our third anniversary, I was eight months pregnant with our second son, John. So I was a stay-at-home mom. And things were fine. The boys were in preschool. And Ty, my oldest, who is so gregarious and just this remarkable kid um, was in a Christian kindergarten program. And he was the only child, eight kids in this program. It was a real cutting edge kindergarten program, avant-garde for the time. And, um, and he was the only one not reading. And I watched him travel this journey from this, his gregarious self to psychosomatic illnesses, not wanting to go to kindergarten because his stomach hurt, not wanting to be around people. So I didn't know it was against the law. I just pulled him out of kindergarten. I thought, enough of this. We'll we'll punt and see what we do next year. So a good friend of mine who was um, my youth director in um, high school had a son the same age, and she had her master's degree in elementary education. She said, Zane, you just need to hold him back a year. He's a boy. Just hold him back a year. And then as I was praying over whether to put Ty in public school or private school, I mean, there was no homeschooling movement then. Um, I was just really in a quandary because I knew in the Christian school, his worldview would remain intact, but they were using a curriculum that was totally unsuited for his learning style. And in the public school, he would have a, they would have a better understanding of the way he learned. So I had a prayer partner that I met with once a week. She and her husband were at Columbia Bible College, which is now Columbia International University. They were both getting their master's degree, getting ready to go over to Kenya to serve on the um, mission field where they did until they retired. And she, I was, just telling Susan, I was praying over 
what we should do with Ty. And she said, well, Zan, I'm going to homeschool um, Nate, and that's what you should do with Ty. And it was the first time I had ever heard the word homeschool. They lived in this little village of mobile homes um, for graduate students. And when she said the word homeschool, I felt like it was that Star Wars scene where all the guys are in the trash compactor and the walls are closing in and we think they're going to get squashed to death, you know. And I'm thinking, this is what homeschooling would be. I would be trapped in this garbage compactor with the walls closing in on me all the time because we're a family of extroverts pretty much. So I told Susan, thank you. She gave me a book. I looked at the back cover and I had that same feeling I had had like eight years ago when somebody handed me Elizabeth Elliott's book, Let Me Be a Woman. And this one was Homegrown Kids by Dr. Raymond Moore. And all the way home, um, the boys were six and four at that time. And I just told the Lord, I will not homeschool. This is 1984. I will not homeschool. These are all the reasons I will not homeschool. I will never homeschool. Never, ever, ever the end. And so out of courtesy to my friend, I read this book. Hmm. And the book gave me this vision of education and parenting, I mean, warm, responsive parenting, kids who were service-oriented, um, time to give back to other people, um, socialization through parents first. It was, it was just this amazing, almost idyllic version of education that I'd never considered. And I just, I remember Joe traveled a lot when um, the boys were young. And when he was home, I would get up real early and walk. And that would be my prayer time, like five or six in the morning. And I'd pray and listen to scripture. Um, and I just felt like the Lord saying to me one day, Zan, I am calling you to homeschool. And I said, I can remember you know, we disobey the Lord all the time, but I just, at this point, I said, no, uh, God, I cannot do this. I ran home, got the boys dressed. We went to the public school that day, and by 11 o'clock a.m., I had Ty enrolled in kindergarten. We were going to hold him back a year. I had the testing from the school district saying it was okay uh, to hold him back a year that they would recommend it. And so it's just like, boy, this monkey is off my back for about four to six weeks. And then I got a notice um, when all the other people in our neighborhood were getting their kindergarten packets. Um, I didn't get one. So I called the principal and he said, Miss Tyler, you can't put your six-year-old student in my kindergarten program. I put him in the first grade. I said, well, that won't do. And he said, well, I'm sorry. So I called a friend of mine who had been my um, high school principal, and he was now associate superintendent of education in the district. And, I, and he was a friend. I used to babysit his kids. I was real involved in my high school. And I said, I just need a note to be able to hold Ty back. And he said, well, Zan, we can't do that. And I thought, gosh, the school district did this all the time. I mean, it was real cool to hold your boy back then in athletics to give him a, you know, a leg up. And um, and I said, well, I guess I'll just have to homeschool then. So I thought that would be the thing that, you know, would cause him to relent and let me hold tie back. So when I told Dr. Hudgens, then I guess I would have to homeschool. He said, well, the school district has gotten lenient with that kind of things, and you could have blown me over with a feather. Well, we hung up. Private schools are filled at this point because now it's July in the school year. I wasn't going to hold him back, so homeschooling is now my only option. And uh, I called our local school district, 
and nobody would tell me the homeschooling law. I called the State Department of Education. Nobody would tell me the homeschooling law. Joe and I had to hire an attorney just to find out what the homeschool law was. It was very, um, very frustrating. And it was hard finding an attorney who had ever heard the word homeschool. And so um, this is just a caveat right here, but that's why I'm so committed to Homeschool Legal Defense Association, HSLDA, and the work they do. You join for $115 a year and you have legal representation all the time. But then here we were. I didn't know one person, Joe and I didn't know anybody in the world who was homeschooling. We had a book. Now we have an attorney. And I have to fill out this application with the school board to homeschool that ended up being a couple inches thick. Letters of recommendation, the numbers of books in my house, a 36-week syllabus, uh, lighting and fire plan. I mean, it was ridiculous. After we went through all this with the, the school board, the local school board, they turned us down. I called my attorney and they said, well, Zan, they're going to send you to the State Department of Education, the State Board of Education, where they will rubber stamp that decision. And I said, then what happens next? And he said, then you end up in family court. So now I want to back up that I've told you all of that. Joe, tell us what you so, were thinking during all so of this. So there, <laughs> early on in this uh, process, Zan read Homegrown Kids mm -hmm. by Dr. Ray Moore. And that was a hugely influential book. And it really launched the homeschool movement for all intents and purposes. So Zan had read that. And I, w I didn't know what to think about the idea. I mean, the only time I'd ever heard of homeschooling was people in the backwoods of Mississippi that bartered and didn't believe in money, and they homeschooled. And I thought, well, that's not the model I want to go for. And uh, I finally decided, you know, if we take this one year at a time, maybe she'll give up after year one or year two or whatever. So I finally decided. No, you, you, that's not exactly I'm, I'm right. There. Okay, okay. So the other thing, the other thought I had is when I was in five-year kindergarten, I hated it because it took me away from, from my mother and my little sister. And I didn't, didn't like kindergarten at all. And the only thing I could remember learning in kindergarten is shapes and colors and numbers. And I thought, surely you can't mess a kid up in five-year kindergarten. So that was <laughs> so that was his rousing yes. endorsement for me. That was my educational analysis. <laughs> I can't mess him up too much. So I thought you can mess up a kid in five year kindergarten, and um, that's kind of what where I ended up. And I said, well, well, we'll take it a year at a time. But I was I was obviously a homeschool agnostic at that point. I because it's like we were going to do this experiment that I had never seen performed before. There were no families I could look to where there was a full-grown kid that was, you know, working and becoming an adult that had been homeschooled. So um, there just weren't examples around. Now the great thing is people have lots of examples. So to finish our story, in the middle of this process of applying uh, to the State Board of Education, a light bulb went off in our head. The State Superintendent of Education at the time was Dr. Charlie Williams. And he had been a public school teacher when my mama 
um, was he, he was getting his PhD in education when my mother was a public school teacher. So he observed her public school room for three to six months while he was getting his PhD. So I was in the same school um, where mom was teaching. My fourth grade class was right across the hall from her. So every day I would come over and talk to Dr. Williams while they were both cleaning up after the day. So I knew him. So I called Dr. Williams and I said, Dr. Williams, I'm Zan Tyler. I'm Sybil Peters' daughter. I have a problem. Can I talk to you about it? He said, oh, come on down, honey. I'll clear my calendar. Can you come right now? I said, yeah, I'll come right now. So I go down to the State Department of Education, and I am fully expecting him to say, Zan, you've done your due diligence. You had Ty tested. You tried to hold him back. The school reneged on you. Now, what can I do to help you? When I told him my story, he looked at me and he said, you know, if you continue down this path of homeschooling, I'll have you put in jail for truancy. I can close my eyes and see where I was sitting and remember the shock and fear that went through my body. And then I heard this voice that was like an out-of-body experience saying, well, Dr. Williams, you'll just have to put me in jail then. And I thought, who said that? <laughs> it was me. <laughs> okay. So and, that wasn't motivated by cable television and three meals a day that, you know, we didn't have. <laughs> if I went to jail, yeah, Joy said, if I went to jail, um, it'd be easier for a homeschooling oh, mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Homeschool moms, Disneyland. <laughs> I didn't have to cook or clean or teach. Okay. So, um, no, it was not motivated by that. But when I was threatened with jail, the we I had a moment of like, oh, no, because we had not told Joe's parents or my parents we were homeschooling. Now, we were very close to both of our parents. Joe's parents lived almost just across the street from us, and mine were three miles away. And we had gone through this whole thing, been written up in the paper for being denied by our school district. I don't know how everybody missed it, but I didn't tell. Joe said, you know, you're going to have to tell somebody sometime. I said, yep, when they realize they're not going to school, I'll tell people. And so I thought, gosh, if I'm going to jail, I have to go tell my mom and dad because it won't say Zan Tyler goes to jail. It'll say John, the papers will say John Peter's daughter goes to jail. So I go to my parents' house because my hearing at the state board where I, I'm a, supposing I'll be thrown in jail is the next week. And I said, Mom and Dad, I'm going to homeschool Ty this year. Mom's a public school teacher. I said, Mom, here's my research, which was this teeny little pamphlet that was just not much research at all. And, um, and I looked at Dad, who was an attorney, not practicing, but he knew the law. And I said, Daddy, here are all my briefs. District 2 has turned me down. Charlie Williams just threatened to put me in jail, and my hearing is next week. And all of a sudden, I lost it. I'm hysterical, and I go home. And my poor mom and dad, I thought, I mean, they could have asked me questions all day long about homeschooling. I didn't, I didn't know much more than I just told them right then. And so I go home, <clears throat> and I get a call from my dad the next day. Joe and I are going through this whole jail thing together. And dad said, I was speaking at a hospital meeting last night. Um, I think it was a graduation for nurses. And Nancy Thurman, Senator Thurman's wife, happened to be there. And I looked at him, her, and I said, Zan's in trouble. She's called the senator's office. What is he going to do to help her? 
So she goes in, this is at night, and gets his chief of staff. And he said, don't worry, Nancy, um, we'll look into this and take care of it tomorrow. So they researched homeschooling in the senator's office, came to the conclusion it was not against the law. And so Duke Short, who was the chief of staff, called my dad back and said, we're going to fax a letter to the, no, there were no fax machines there. We're going to overnight a letter to the State Department of Education telling them to approve Zan's program. So the next day, dad got a call back from the senator saying, you know, Senator Thurman has decided to fly down to Columbia and meet with Charlie Williams in person on behalf of Zan. So he walks in and says, Charlie, you need to reconsider this. I've looked into it. Her, she, it is not illegal for her home, homeschool. You need to approve it. And so... I mean, it was really, I just cannot tell you how awful those few days were. And, you know, people talk to Joe and me about why we're still involved in the homeschooling community. And it really is motivated by the fact that I never want a mom to go through what we went through. Mm. I mean, I've never felt alone and been so afraid in my life. And I kept thinking, is this really America? Am I being threatened with jail because I love my kid? It was just, it was so sobering and so frightening. I just can't even put words to that. But after Senator Thurman got involved, I started getting calls from, um, you know, members of the, it was the Instructional Committee's Committee, Instructional Materials Committee that was in charge of this hearing. Oh, Miss Tyler, we hope you'll come down and you and Joe, we want to meet you both. We're going to, you know, your program's going to be improved. We just want you to come be there so we can meet you, you know. But it was nice to have that response rather than people hating my guts and threatening me. So, Joe, so you want to talk about this for a minute? Yeah, so <laughs> this was great. I mean, and my thinking was, well, this is great for us, Joe and Zan. This was no blanket Supreme Court edict or anything. So the whole time in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, what's everybody else going to do? I mean, this happened partly because of Zan's family's political connections, along with hers, with Senator Thurman, I'm sure that that played into it a lot because he knew you personally, you had basically done work for him. And uh, if, and uh, I don't know if anybody knows anything about these senators, but a lot of them give incredible constituent service. And he is one of those that always followed up on stuff, or at least he had the people to do it. So um, throughout the next year or so, uh, gosh, I loved everything about homeschooling, you know, um, the boys were real active in sports and outside stuff, and it just fit in perfect with our schedule. And I began to wonder, good night, what do these other kids do? They can't. We do all this stuff with our kids in the afternoon and weekends and holidays, and these other poor kids get home at midnight and then have to go do their schoolwork before they go to school the next day. So it, I love the lifestyle, and that that's really what I got hooked on. Plus, above all else, I knew that there's nobody – that was as qualified as Zan to teach our kids as Zan was. Not only on a personal level did she know their strengths and weaknesses and could could help construct a ideal IEP, which became the biz, big the buzzword now, that individualized instruction program, education program for each of them, 
But beyond that, I knew nobody would be as, as sharp as Zan. She wouldn't have, there wouldn't be a teacher uh, there in any school, private or public, that would uh, love and do what was best for the kids like a mother, homeschool mom would, and especially Zan in our case. So then um, we started meeting with various people around the state that were homeschooling. And it's- okay, so. Sorry, so I'm not going to correct you. I'm just going to jump in here. Okay, jump in. So we, um, that first year we homeschooled, it was pretty awful because we lived in this little cul-de-sac neighborhood, and every day, every other day, I would see a policeman driving back and forth in front of our house, and I knew it was just to make sure we were home Hmm. and inside homeschooling, that my car was in the driveway and kids weren't playing in the yard. And, um, and so it was, we had neighbors who wouldn't speak to us. We had people at church who wouldn't speak to us. We had family members who were very upset with us because we were homeschooling and this was not a movement or a fad at this time. I can tell you that. So it was pretty awful. But what we saw happening with our kids, um, Ty was just growing leaps and bounds and um, relaxing and enjoying his schoolwork. And um, I, I mean, that was pretty amazing. And like Joe said, our family was closer than we had ever been. I saw the Lord working. I was beginning to see their spiritual gifts, even at that young age, come to the surface. Things I'd never been aware of as a mother, even though I was a stay-at-home mom when the kids were in preschool and kindergarten and it was all just half days. And so, you know, Joe is right. We, uh, I, I looked at him at the end of that first year and I said, I really feel like the Lord is calling us to homeschool another year. <laughs> I never get this response. Do you remember what you told me? No. <laughs> he said, well, I was kind of afraid of that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but he was really all in. It was just, you know, it was not fun living that lifestyle of, you know, being ostracized from so many people we loved. I just would wake up sometimes and I would say, hey, God, remember me? I'm the extrovert you made and I have people who won't speak to me now. You know, it was that first year was really tough. And so then um, we we began to get more, you know, I would get calls from people moving into South Carolina who wanted to homeschool during the course of that year, but not many. But the next year, um, it was late one night. It was about midnight. And I have to um, add this in there. I was always afraid, even though if they put me in jail, it would be me, that they would take our kids away from us, mm-hmm. even with Joe at home. And so, you know, I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And um, so one night we got a knock on the door about 11 or 1130. And I'm a night owl. I was up working and probably doing lesson plans or whatever, reading. And I just thought, this is it. This is that midnight knock on the door. And so I went I looked out the window and it was one of our neighbors. So I said, come on in, Bill. Bill was a, um, in, lived around the corner from us and he was the head of a state agency. And, and they didn't like homeschooling at all. His wife was a public school teacher, but they loved us and our sons were best friends. And, um, and Bill said, 
Zan, do you know what the state register is? I said, no clue. And he said, well, it's where government agencies can promulgate bills and legislation. And if it sits in this registry, I can't remember if it's 90 or 180 days, it automatically becomes law. And you may want to know this, but there are, um, they have, the State Department of Education has put regulations in there for homeschooling, saying that the only way to homeschool is if you have a four-year degree and you only use state-approved text. And I, he said, and, you know, you've got like 20 days left to respond. And so this is when Joe and I really began to get politically involved. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was encouraging and inspiring for you. If you would like more information, you can find me at zantaller.com. Until next time, see you later.